the Nicely Done podcast. I'm Satya and I'm a writer who lives in Boston. Hi everyone, uh, I'm Amrita and I am a journalist visiting the US. Welcome, welcome. A special welcome to people who've had a bad week. And by bad week, I don't really mean a regular kind of bad week. I mean your ship is blocking the Suez Canal kind of a week. So for some context, ever given the cargo ship got stuck and blocked the Suez Canal. The name of the ship was ever given, but the images we kept seeing were evergreen. All the comments were like, can you please call it evergreen? Why are you calling it evergreen? So the company that operates the ship is called evergreen and uh, they have a fleet of ships. Each of the ship has different names. Each name starts with the word ever. And this particular ship is evergreen. It's not confusing at all. Not at all. Towards the end of March, this ship got stuck. And finally, a fleet of tugboats, a dredger, successfully freed the ship on March 29th, nearly a week after it got stuck. We also had some celestial help. A full moon produced a king tide that allowed for a few extra inches of tidal flow to help refloat the ever given. <laughs> but it's going to take like about a few weeks, actually, for the backlog to get sorted. And a fun fact, fun is really not the right word here but anyway is that the ever given prevented more than 50 billion us dollars of global trade after it blocked the suez canal for six days the ship that launched a thousand memes have you seen that meme of like uh, that little like uh, uh, crane was trying to push the the ship and they're like my mental health issues my support group and you know all these like different memes. it was so funny so it's been an eventful week uh, and uh, what's been on your mind amrita actually very alarmingly conscious of how fast the COVID numbers in India are increasing. I was looking at a graph this morning and it just says that in the last few days, the numbers have gone from like 40,000 cases per day to about above 70,000. And, you know, in February or something, in February 2021, we reached a pretty decent number. You know, our numbers were under 10,000 and... um, it's really worrying when I talk to my family back home and I sort of, I'm looking at them um, knowing that they're still in lockdown, knowing that all the shops and stores are shut and more worryingly knowing that a lot of people are getting infected daily and this time reinfected. It's yeah. kind of worrying and like a very awful reminder that even though some parts of the world are open and people are kind of uh, back to their old normal, um, it's not it's not going the same way for everyone else, and uh, yeah, it's just a just a very scary reminder of that. Okay, welcome back to the show. Uh, today we have something uh, very different and very personal lined up. In this week's episode, we're going to talk about our own immigrant stories. Me and Satya both moved to the U.S. as students at different times in our lives. And in this episode, we'd like to talk about how we moved there as students and then tried to find and create small homes away from home. So although we're both kind of immigrants now, um, all immigrant stories are in a way very similar, but also very different. Uh, just like you and me, for example, even though we're friends and even though our paths were kind of parallel for a little while, I think that we've both had several personal stories that have formed our immigrant experiences that are completely 
dissimilar being an immigrant um kind of binds you with this kind of like big group that is somehow around you everyone's going to the same thing you do feel like you're a part of a uh, more universal struggle even though this can be something that can make you feel very lonely when you are in it you feel like why is this happening to me i have many worries and you it feels like you are stuck in a very particular uh, situation or in like a rut but the more you talk to people around you with the same experience you feel like there are so many versions of the same struggle happening around you and that can kind of help you feel less alone yeah and i also think that a lot of people who move away from home move for such different reasons right yeah. uh some people move for school some people move for work some people move after they marry yeah. i mean uh very recently since we read uh adichie's book the thing around your neck which also has stories about um african immigrants to america yeah i think she also teases a lot of themes of belonging leaving something home creating something completely new by yourself and uh all the immigrants who move to the us also carry these themes with them and these dreams but then when you do reach the us uh it's very interesting to see how what you expected did it really happen or was it a completely different journey yeah um, um i also want to just give a little context to this discussion and place our stories in this context which is that um indian immigrants are one of the largest groups to move to the us uh, as of 2019 about 2.7 million indian immigrants reside in the us and uh, indians make up 6% of the us foreign born population so this is a pretty significant number and uh, we are maybe just uh, two small stories within all these large group of stories but um, yeah that's a pretty significant number yeah and uh, almost every year us hosts around 1 million students uh, inter- international students and out of this give or take a few thousands 1 million there are about 185000 indian students this is from uh, very specific reports that fall out to certain year but um, um you can generalize it and say that almost one fifth of the students that come to the us are from india um india china mexico are some of the biggest uh, immigrant populations in in the us so uh i feel like that is a double edged sword in one sense you do find a lot of people who have gone through the similar thing and you find resources and people to talk about and share this experience but then also there are all these like really strange rules in immigration of like caps per country and you know a certain number of resources and stuff which is kind of i guess how it works which is fine but it's hard not to feel like feel personally targeted by those caps when it's not working for you yeah and one of the things that i feel constantly resonate through all immigrant groups is that how once you become an immigrant uh, and this is also something that i'm borrowing from adichi but in india you're just indian uh, mm-hmm. and you're not really even indian you're just like everyone else because everyone is indian but once you move you become an immigrant 
and for the first few times you don't really know what that means and what you should be as an immigrant so i think the immigrant experience is just this constant exploration of one's identity um people who come as students people who are temporary workers uh, then those who apply for work visas most of us become people of color once we move and there are all these different identities that then you suddenly feel like you yeah. have and i think it's very interesting to understand how then we start acting in these identities yeah. um, and how we learn to play the roles of these different identities yeah i think it's something that we will be exploring in this episode it and- feels like some careers and some lines of work have a well traveled path like stem which they have like a 3 year opt program so you have 3 years to kind of figure out how you are going to stick it out here or whatever and amruta and i we are uh, writers journalists and um, non stem students so we have one year so it feels like a more fast track uh, uh, fast track period after you graduate to figure out your next step there isn't i feel like enough time not so to I, say this is harder or easier or better or anything but just that it's a different experience and uh, not very uh, similar to the engineering students who come here you said that people come to us for like different things like work study because they get married i was wondering how much of a population comes to the us because their best friend went <laughs> because i never thought of coming to the us until you were like i'm going to the us and then i was like okay fine now i have to do this over <laughs> i have to move across the world to go hang out with her which is very funny because the year i was coming i didn't cry once but i was at the airport and like your mom and all were fine and i was just like fighting back tears <laughs> it was so funny i now i think about it i was like oh my god ask you i remember putting you on that putting you on that plane apparently <laughs> i escorted you to your seat anyway uh, i remember saying bye to you in bombay so and then we spoke i'm sure immediately after or whatever but do you remember your first few days in new york you landed in new york and how all of that was oh my god i really do i think about this day very very often because it is very very harrowing very emotional and every time i want to uh, rile myself up at 2 am in the night i think of these are one of those things cool. because i remember my first day after i mean we uh after we got off the airport we took a cab back to our what would be our apartment yeah and uh, immediately i remember feeling extremely unprepared for everything even though you have spent months preparing for it right yeah. everyone's told you this is the money you can use this is how you can use it you have a few options of paying you have some cash so i remember we took a cab it cost a lot of money that i was the whole time just thinking about how much this is going to cost and why there wasn't another option how long it was going to be and finally what if we get there and we hate it i was just like really but i think there was also a very high level of excitement because i had dreamed about this for many many years about how it would be had not been to new york before and i had an extremely naive idea about what it would be uh, that was heavily fueled by all the movies and all the books that we have read about the city and i was just like oh. how is it going to be but uh, it was i think nothing prepares you for it no matter how much you try to imagine even to ground yourself in reality it's never going to actually work 
I remember we went to the apartment. It was very, very bare boned. I walked into the room and I was just like, this is, I guess this is how it is going to be. And um, for the first night, uh, Shujan went to his family's place and I was left to figure out for the rest of the few days what I want to do. And mm. remember the evening so clearly. I think I was finally alone in the house and I put my bags away and I was starving. So I decided to go get something to eat. I knew that like I wanted my first meal to be special. So I walked out, I got into, um, I started walking downtown and I started, and I, and I told myself that you have the money, you can eat whatever you want here and make this like a very special meal. So I started yeah. walking down. I obviously have no idea where to go, but I decided that I want to maybe just pick up some fast food and then go back home and eat it. So this is not clearly a very special meal. Now I think about like that was your special meal. <laughs> no taste. Don't know now what to do. What is good? What is not good? Yeah. And I think I went into a, like a Texas burger place because I thought I want to eat something spicy. So I walk into the place and I'm looking at all the options and in my head, I'm like, okay, now I have to order. Now, this is a very like small thing, but I think maybe some immigrants understand this. The first time you have to talk to someone who is non-Indian in a foreign land can be a very uh, singular experience. I remember that before I wanted to talk, I wanted to know how I was going to greet him, how I was going to say hello. And you don't, you're not prepared for any of these things. And I went up and I said, hi, can I have, and I placed my order. And he looked at me like I'd spoken to him in another language. He did not understand a word I had said. He asked me a few times and then he looked at me really funny. Um, I had, I think my face just drained of all mm -hmm. energy and color because I repeated it and he still didn't understand. And that just kept me, that just made me so embarrassed and I kept thinking, is he not understanding me? What should I say? I also thought about just running away because it's like, you know, we, we've spoken about this, but you feel like you're okay adjusted and you're going to be able to, you know, figure this out and you're going to be able to like live your best life and you can't even order like a burger without yeah. feeling like they can't understand. And what is this accent that I'm speaking it? Maybe I should place my order differently. But finally, after giving me... Um, some dirty looks he packed up some food I was not even looking at it I had no appetite left and I carried it back and I did not enjoy that meal but yeah. I got through it I ate my wrongly placed <laughs> order and I went to bed and the next morning the sun was shining it was less unfriendly and I went out I spoke to a few more people I ordered coffee at a few more places and I realized you know that guy didn't understand me but everyone else understands me fine um, yeah. I remember when you uh, came to the US and I picked you up at the airport and I was just like I don't think I've ever felt more at home there than I felt like when I received you because I felt like there she is now everything's gonna be okay now I don't need to make any more friends <laughs> like it's done and that was and that was the last time I tried to make any friends but I remember that when you started as a grad student at Dartmouth I remember that we went and settled you into your new home uh, but then I left like I left and you were by yourself dealing with first days maybe similar to these uh, new roommates new lives first classes and uh, do you remember any particular day that stands out from that time yeah I feel like I spent two weeks in New York and then I went to Hanover New Hampshire 
for my grad school right so the two weeks i spent i had completely forgotten that i have to go and like study now and i was like i am in new york amuta is here manu is here we were having a good time and uh, i went and saw rafael nadal practice like something else was happening <laughs> i had completely forgotten that i have to go study now um, but then we went to hanover and uh, I remember the first couple of days with you i was just like i can totally do this and then uh, i think one monday morning you took one early morning bus and you left and i was just like walking around the house the whole day like now what am i supposed to do and i had two roommates uh, both of whom have um, have now become very close friends of mine actually they became close friends pretty soon so sanjana and nj uh, so there were three indians all three of us were indians and we were living in that house and they were both in a different program and i remember like slowly adjusting and you know it was pretty easy i feel the transition because we shared a lot of cultural um uh we had pretty much a similar cultural background the three of us so at home it felt very like at home like uh the even from the language to the food and it was very similar and uh, but i remember this one day i was just like okay now i'm going to just make some dal and um, dal is like this lentil stew right for our non indian friends um so i thought i'll make some dal and eat because i was craving some home cooked food and i have made dal at least 500 times 1000 times by that point i want to say or maybe not i don't know um so it's very simple right it's one of the simplest dishes that you can make and i admit it and when i open the pressure cooker and every indian student i feel like brings a pressure cooker when they come from home i pulled out my pressure cooker and i made and like you know i opened the pressure cooker and i looked in it was completely uncooked the to- the tomatoes had become bitter so it was like bitter uncooked lentils in that and i had made this hundreds of times by then and i remember just looking at it and i had graciously asked my uh, roommates to also join in in that meal and the three of us were eating that and you know the other two were like it's fine it's not that bad but it was completely bitter and i was just like what could have gone wrong we started going through each ingredient and testing it and being like maybe this could have made it better you know because what it has basic things like lentils tomatoes salt turmeric like things like that right and then we discovered somehow it was the salt <laughs> it was not and then i realized that you know just because you are a little older than the average student or like you feel like you have somehow adjusted doesn't mean they're not going to be like little surprises like this and these are the most surprising things the small regular day things that you kind of take for granted that okay this i know how to do like i am sure a lot of people came to us wondering how will i cook for myself how will i uh, budget my money and all i was not worried about that because i had lived by myself for a few years in india but this happening to me was like a, a very strange experience because i was just like okay so we have to start thinking about everything over like how do we do this Yeah that's really interesting. Um okay my next question to you is that talking about you know things that are you take for granted are and are unexpected. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the one thing that you came here and felt that it completely surprised you? This is not something you had planned for but this is yeah. how it was now. Yeah this I have an answer and it's it's an answer that won't make me look good but please bear with me. 
so I came to the US when I was 28, right? So I was like, I'm going to meet people from different countries. I'm going to make all these like diverse friends and uh, it's going to like bring new culture into my life. I'm going to get exposed to all these like uh, different parts of the world was my thought. And uh, I somehow ended up with two roommates who both spoke Telugu, my native, uh, mother, my mother tongue, which I didn't even have in Bombay. And uh, obviously they're both Indian. And my program had no Indians. There was a wonderful girl from Pakistan. And uh, later on, as the terms uh, went by, some other people joined from like the subcontinent and stuff. But there was no other... Uh, there was there wasn't another Indian student in my program, so I feel like I started getting the best of both worlds. In my program, I had a lot of friends who were not Indian, but then I would come home to my roommates, housemates, and their extended group of friends who became my friends were all Indian, and uh, I felt like I was very keen to not become one of those people who just came to the US and just hung out with the Indian. Uh, clique and you know never really went beyond that but I, st I slowly started realizing that there's a there's an odd sense of comfort to that and I really enjoyed hanging out with my other friends as well but this was starting to become a more uh, regular thing right like hanging out with people from India and I think that was surprising in a nice way I think you set out all these things to do for yourself when you come to a new country because you feel like this is a brand new beginning, new chapter, you're going to change everything about yourself and all that. But already so much is changing around you that, you know, you start finding comfort in uh, familiar things, which is why I feel like we go back to cooking Indian food, wearing Indian clothes around the house and uh, hanging out with people with similar backgrounds and uh, maybe it was something that really helped me kind of make that transition into living in the US. Yeah. What was, yeah. And I feel like I have a lot of close friends who are not Indian, who are some of my, two of my best friends are American. And uh, I have many, many close friends who are American and uh, from Ukraine or, you know, other parts of the world. But I, I started feeling a sense of fatigue that you feel in the first few months in a new country because you're carrying yourself the, with, with yourself this identity that kind of needs to be put in context for, for the people you need, you're meeting, right? Like even as I was writing fiction that was set in India, if I'm talking about something like, as we've already mentioned it, uh, if I'm talking about Dal, how much of context do I need to give someone who's not, uh, who's Indian? I don't need to say anything. Uh, but like to write about the same thing in a classroom that is so diverse was starting to really uh, tire, not tire me, that's a negative word, but it was an additional pressure, which I don't think people who are writing about apple pie would find. They don't really care if someone who's reading about apple pie knows exactly what it is that is left to the reader's imagination. But when you're writing from the perspective of uh, of a culture that is not in the um, that is not in the media majority somehow there is this other thing of the otherness there is this uh, explanation that you need to kind of give and 
when you hang out with people of different cultures yes you get to know a lot about them and their cultures and it's extremely rewarding and i would do it any day but it goes both ways right you have to explain your culture also to other people constantly and on days when you don't have the energy to do that it can feel very uh, it can feel like an additional burden you're carrying around obviously once you become close friends with someone it doesn't matter and they don't need the context and all that but in the first few months that you're in a new country you constantly feel like yeah i need to give people certain you, you need to put yourself in some context for them to understand your experience i think that largely what keeps happening and i brought this up earlier but i think what largely keeps happening to a lot of immigrants as they move is that there is all at once the need to adapt assimilate and at the same time retain what they are and i think that anyone who's been through it can identify with some parts of all of these things and yeah. you know it also changes when you go through different parts of your immigrant experience um yeah but that's essentially what uh, that's essentially what i see it as a whole so it's been a few months for here in the us or it's been a few weeks you're adjusting you are uh now someone who lives in america did you start bringing new elements or making new traditions to hold on to your older identity or somehow create a new identity that is a mix of your past your future and like who you want to be uh has how has that changed when you are in india you are not really indian you are just like everyone else is but when you come here you somehow feel the additional responsibility of being indian Yeah. and you have to act indian i mean you don't have to but you want to <laughs> yeah. because you are indian and uh, one thing one of the uh, instances i remember is that in 2018 or 17 i forget uh, it was diwali and i was in new york and i was it was evening time and we had not no plans of diwali i think you said this um a few days ago while we were discussing this episode you said that you know in india you don't need to know that there is a festival you walk out on the street and you just know there are yeah. flower vendors everyone's getting ready the shops are all lit up and you know that it's it's festival season but i i think that it was one uh, very quiet diwali evening in new york and i was staying a few blocks away from manu my friend and our other friend aditi was staying a few blocks away as well and we were all online looking at these amazing photos on instagram feeling lower and lower by the minute in spirit thinking that why are we not doing anything this is turning out to be a very sad evening for all of us and at the same time all of us messaged each other and said that let's just meet at manu's place and just have like a diwali party and just see how it goes within the next 20 minutes all of us had somehow you know gathered in manu's house she prepared a few snacks for diwali she just had things lying around she made four or five snacks there was a sweet uh, offering for the gods i guess uh, but uh, which is also very funny because then we had to create like a small temple like situation and we were like who has the gods anyone bring gods <laughs> and we put together whatever manu had we did a small puja we were all wearing nice indian clothes and uh, we did a little puja for diwali and then we sat down we invited other people who were our roommates who were not indian to come and uh, one of them at very short notice uh, turned up in like a nice fab india kurta and we were just like what is happening it was so amazing <laughs> yeah. and we spent the next few hours just eating the food explaining 
talking about our favorite Diwali experiences, dancing a lot. And we just had a great time um, celebrating a festival, which is what it generally is, right? You all get together with your family and have a good time. But I think that was a little unexpected because I thought that I'm, I'm okay without these very core experiences that are Indian. I mean, I used to celebrate all of them and we still do. But I used to feel like, oh, I'm not going to miss it that much. I'll be okay, I think. But then when it's happening, you're just like, what am I? I'm surely doing something wrong, you know? And I think that the diaspora in the US, um, always you, whenever you witness them in from a distance, you always see that they take like these festivals very seriously. They have like a lot of celebration. They do it very religiously. There is a lot of fanfare around it. Um, and I think that's also uh, alluding to the fact that when a population travels away, their emotions around their own home country become yeah. so heightened. And you know, it's not a dilution, it's more of a concentration of your values, uh, which is something that I felt that night. And it was also very unexpected, but uh, it was it was amazing. So is there something that you feel like even now, after all these years, you have trouble adjusting to? I graduated in 2019. And honestly, there was like eight months before pandemic happened. So I feel like I've not really had a regular experience in that sense. I don't know what life is supposed to be. Maybe more people would have come over. I feel like life in the US is more lonely than it was in India. In India, friends used to come home. People, someone will come over or you'll go somewhere. It's not, you don't need to make formal plans to hang. Um, here it's, I don't know if it's a factor of growing older or just people becoming busier. I don't know. Or if it's US, it's uh, everything is more tightly planned and it, that has its, obviously has its advantages for someone like me who needs to mentally prepare to go hang out with anybody. But I feel like I do miss that sense of social um easy social life that you kind of have when you're in india um i think that's a, another thing that you don't realize about uh, moving to another country which is that you're kind of like by yourself most of the time and i don't remember in india where we were ever alone for lunch it never happens right you know at office someone will come sit with you you're never just sitting somewhere and like eating a sandwich you know but uh, so many times while in school and later on in work, I, I would feel like everyone is doing their own thing. And most of the meals are solitary, which is, you kind of get used to, but it's also remarkable that that does happen. And it happens very often here and not at all almost in, in India. So I think that takes some getting used to that. So much of like your chores are also something that you do by yourself. You know, yeah. you're doing your own laundry, you're doing your own dishes chores again a big part of something that happens here but you're doing so much housework um, and you're just constantly feeling like you're doing it all by yourself I, I mean we are people who are like obviously staying with families and are like happily married or hopefully sharing all duties they're like who is this lonely <laughs> I don't know so one word I don't even know if it's a word one phrase slash word that is synonymous with Indian immigration to the US is H1B this very STEM related visa and uh, most people who come to do higher education in the US come for STEM and uh, they all apply for H1B whole 
different set of struggles it's also not easy or anything it it has its own like issues and uh, worries and fears and stuff but as people who don't have that option um how did you feel when you were graduating and what did you feel were your next options what were the options that were available to you this heavy topic of visa and paperwork that yeah. i think almost every international student in all schools in the us they are often burdened by and the same goes for even after you graduated after you have a job all the people that i have spoken to i am currently also applying for a kind of a work visa here so i think for the last many weeks i have just been under this immense uh i mean entrenched in this immense system of immigration and i do feel like it is never something that goes away no matter what stage of your immigration you are everyone who i've talked to like my aunt and uncle who stayed here for over 30 years when i talk to them they still tell me that yeah it was always hard and it still is hard you know until after a certain point you figure it out and you become citizens of this nation until then it is always a discussion that you have to be wary of it is yeah. a big worry or you have to worry about your job your visa you can't think about your job until you have a visa you can't think about changing jobs until you're sure that your visa is sorted and yeah. you know, that's i when i was working in india for the past two years i felt this intense liberation i was like i can do whatever i want here i can yeah. do um many number of jobs if i uh feel like i can figure out employment by itself without anything else and yeah. it is extremely freeing uh, which is the benefit that comes with when you are a citizen of your country and you know that is where you belong uh but i think everyone who has been through this will agree that it is always stressful it is never easy everyone has really hard journeys and uh, you're always constantly thinking will this happen will it not happen what happens if it doesn't happen how many things are at stake uh you know if within this visa am i allowed this am i not allowed it uh does my visa cover this and it's just so many questions it's always tugging at your sense of ambition and comfort it's pulling at you the minute you start to feel comfortable with something you start feeling like now you have to figure it out all over again so yeah. immigration and visa work and paperwork is so hard this wow. one big part of any immigrant's life is to constantly think about your work permit and your visa and your i suppose space and place in the american workforce even if you have the most easy path after you graduate it is still fraught with this thing of like you don't know what when the end is you know you don't know when you will be in the clear you don't know how do you plan for next 5 years if you don't know for sure if you'll be in the us right um so there are all these like unknowns that come with the territory of immigration even if you're like legally here and like everyone wants you here your job is amazing they need you here but there is always the thing of i've spoken to so many people who've been here for 10 15 years and even then they'd be like you should just mentally be okay with the fact that if you go back also you'll be fine and i'm like yeah obviously going back to your own country if you're not coming from a war torn part of the world it's not the end of the world obviously you'll go back to whatever life you had before and create something better right with this extra education and resources that you have but i think what is so debilitating is that 
having that choice taken away from you coming to the us was a choice right you made that choice you put money into the system you went to a college here and you chose to come here but when the thing with immigration is it just feels like your choices are very limited it's all up to someone somewhere unknown is sitting and making all these decisions for you all you can do is somehow put in your name in this lottery and somehow pray for the best and for people who do come for higher education these are all people who are uh, enterprising in some way they have some control over their lives so i think it can be a little more challenging because this crowd in particular feels a certain amount of authority and ownership on their lives and uh, how they want them to go and suddenly now you have to surrender all that power to some xyz who you don't know the stakes are high the system is is complicated and there are many layers if you want to make it work in your favor and just like with every other thing you need to want this really really bad and you need to want to want it always uh, because it's going to get hard but i i guess that's that's one of the things that comes with the price of being uh, an immigrant in a new place yeah i after i graduated i honestly to 2020 sorry in 2020 i applied for h1b i didn't get picked and immediately i was like okay i need to figure out what i want to do i'm going to give it a one try give it all my best if it works out i'll stay or you know what i'm going to go back something that i was telling myself from the day i came here and then i applied for uh, the o1 visa which is an option for non stem uh, students and uh, it was an intense three month process of getting your application together and applying and keeping your fingers crossed and somehow hoping it will all kind of come together and touch wood luckily for me it did and uh, i have a work visa now and i'm working i live in boston but what my take away from here is i would have never known this path existed unless you met aditi who kind of figured that out and i heard from it maybe i would have heard from another source or whatever but what i'm trying to say is that there is such lack of transparency or information on this topic maybe because we don't seek it out until you are at that position right if you are in india i was there in india for 28 years of my life i was just sitting there i was chilling i was not looking up what are the visa options so suddenly once you get thrown into this life you start feeling overwhelmed with the amount of things that you need to do to make sure that you still get to have the choice of deciding do you stay or do you want to like act right so uh this is again where the community thing comes in as immigrants there is this big community around you and everyone has the visa conversation constantly so there will be solutions there'll be more questions thrown to you and there is uh, you 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 keep storing away that information somewhere in your head and some day someone else will ask you a question and you'll be like wait i know someone that you know so it's all like it's all feel like we're all interconnected in that way and it's a shared pool of like information we are carrying around yeah even now when someone asks me so you're going to stay in the us i my immediate answer i can't help myself is i know i'm here for the next 3 years but i really don't know what will happen after that I know I have a few options to figure it out but I can't say for sure which is kind of like strange because how do you plan for a future right but then that's again something that comes with the territory of being an immigrant Hello and welcome back to the show and welcome back to our last segment of this episode 
This segment is our Oscar viewing party where every week we watch a few movies that are nominated for the best film award at the Academy Awards which will be aired on the 25th of April. We watch some of these amazing movies and catch each other up on what we thought about them. Uh, so if you feel like you want to catch up on some of the best movies of this year, uh, join us. This week we saw two movies, one of which was Judas and the Black Messiah and the second one Promising Young Woman, both movies nominated in the best film category at the Academy Awards. So I'm going to talk about Judas and the Black Messiah. It is um, a movie directed by Shaka King, mm-hmm. it's starring Daniel Kaluuya and Lakeith Stanfield in leading roles. The movie also has a bunch of other nominations, including both the actors are nominated in a supporting role. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, the movie is this historical uh, kind of documentary drama, which is also a thriller. It's a political thriller. Uh, it's about the Black Panther movement in America in the 1960s and 70s. And it's the story is about how the Black Panther Party in America uh, was infiltrated by an FBI, by a spy who was working with the FBI. And mm-hmm. it captures that intense relationship between the two men, uh, which is the chairman of the Black Panther Party, Fred Hampton, and the person who was spying on him, Bill O'Neill. Such a thrilling watch. It doesn't look like you're watching something which is like a, you know, uh, like a historical movie based on true events, which it actually is. It is a very fast, very, very stylishly made movie. Both the actors are outstanding. Sometimes they're, when they're playing the parts, it literally feels like I cannot believe that this, this is not them. I I think Daniel Kaluuya is so talented. Yeah. Um, for people who know his previous work in Get Out, he just embodies this role of this, and it's a very powerful role. This guy was the chairman of this very intense political revolution and a moment in America's history of race. And he just takes it and he he runs with it so well. Um, I also think it is a particularly significant film because it is the first in, uh, I think, 93 years that is uh, produced by an all black uh, team. And I think more than anything, it obviously is important to talk about this film especially at a time in America with the uh, Black Lives Matter movement and the current ongoing trial of the murder of George Floyd that began the discussion of race all over again and police brutality in America. And I think it's a extremely well-captured, complicated historical retelling of this revolution. So if you want to know more about even the Black Panther Party and what it was for, for those of us who weren't exposed to these movements in American history. I think it's a really informative watch to know what that movement was and how it was perceived by uh, the um, the rest of America. And it also has an amazing performance by Martin Sheen, who just appears on the screen and I just squeal. So mm-hmm. it's a, a pretty special movie, very, very um, important uh, to watch in this time. Yeah, and the second movie that we watched is Promising Young Woman. The premise is uh, Cassie or Cassandra. Uh, Cassie is a smart, cunning young woman who is living a secret double life. 
she is trying in her own way to right some wrongs from the past i don't want to give too much away because it's a thriller it's a revenge fantasy uh it released in the april of 2020 and uh um it's a wonderful film it's the kind of film that when you're watching also your body is physically reacting to it to the contents um but it's written and directed by emerald fennel who i know this will interest uh, people like you uh plays camilla parker balls in the crown she wrote it and she directed it she also wrote season 2 of killing eve i realized she is phoebe wallerbridge our goddess of our choice her uh, friend and like you know she uh, she like she's this insanely talented woman who as i was googling her comes from this really prestigious family nobody in her house is like an underachiever that i could find she's amazing and um, so this movie has been nominated for five oscars including best picture best director and best actress so the best actress nomination is for carry mulligan uh i feel like she did such a good job balancing and giving the right mix of the fierceness that you want to see and showing like vulnerability and sometimes showing both these emotions in the same frame it's a it's a very very uh, uh powerful performance by her and uh, i really think she she deserves this nomination and i have seen her in like other things before like in shame and stuff and i was always um, i was always intrigued by her role choices and like you know the stuff she does but uh, in this movie i realized that you know she immensely watchable and i see at least close to winning the best actress for this role um so another interesting thing about this movie is that the director was very smart with some of the casting there was meta casting in it right so all like lovable tv heartthrobs you see like from oc adam brody or like um from weep the the goofy intern from weep all these people who play all these like characters were taken and given roles of everyday men who say they are like the good guys or whatever but are actually scumbags and it does something to you when you see these like really famous good guys from tv playing like certain roles it it kind of i think does what the director wants uh, wants that casting to do and it's it is so effective i watched this movie with like my stomach sinking most of the time and as a woman you can't help but think while watching certain uh, scenes that you know all these times in your life that you came close to being in trouble or in peril and you kind of avoided it and um, it's it's uncomfortable to watch only because it makes you aware of how easily a different set of events could have happened on some night you know and uh, i think the the director was trying to show that you know it shouldn't be on us to be careful it shouldn't be on the woman to make sure that everything is done you have one friend phone on friend on call or like you know that you've taken all the precautions possible and i think she brings it out really wonderfully and the writing is tight it's spectacular there is no one moment i was watching it and i was thinking the whole time i was like is there anything from this movie that i can like leave out and that's a great job right like every scene has like spoken for itself and it's uh it's i think i really enjoyed watching it 
All right, so those were our two movies and the two recommendations from us this week. Uh, but that's it for today's episode. Thank you for joining in. If you like what you hear, please uh, subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcast, Google Cast, Overcast, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcast. You can also like our social media pages, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And also, if you think that this is something that your friends would like, please. share uh, our podcast with them and spread the word this is how we will get new listeners and be able to continue doing what we do uh thank you so much for joining us this episode was brought to you by friends who help each other dream big and let you sleep on their couch and cry into their pillows also by families who wish you well and send you to follow your own dreams uh and also those who agree to be your co-signers so thank you for listening see you next time bye bye